0: Thank you for downloading this sermon from Grace Presbyterian Church. Grace is a church where people seeking more grace, more depth, and more community can start finding their way and sharing their gifts with the world. You can follow us online at graceforsufalls.org. This account that we've been meditating on by... The Apostle John is an eyewitness account to the events surrounding the death of Jesus. And yet, eyewitnesses don't always see the significance of the things that they've witnessed. Sometimes you need a little distance before you understand what's going on. Sometimes you need someone to explain it to you after the fact. The people closest to Jesus, the ones who witnessed his death, needed time. And they needed explanations as well. They didn't understand the significance of everything that had happened to Jesus. They thought they had seen an execution, when in fact they had seen a sacrifice. They'd witnessed an act of injustice without realizing. But it was also an act of atonement. They thought the crucifixion came out of nowhere, just A week before, the crowds that called for his crucifixion were were cheering for him as Messiah. It seemed as if his death, his unpopularity, his condemnation had come out of nowhere, and yet they did not realize it had been prophesied from the beginning. Which is why Jesus, when he returned, had to teach them. He had to show them, like he showed the disciples on the road to Emmaus who were shocked by what had happened. And Jesus led them by the hand through the Old Testament, through Moses and the prophets, and showed them that none of it should have been a surprise and that all of it was necessary. We've heard John's account of the crucifixion, but have we understood it? We know what happened. Do, do we know Why? It happened, or why it had to happen. The answers to those questions, God gave them far before these events in Jerusalem took place. In fact, what happened that day when Jesus was crucified was not just the beginning of a story; it was also the end of a story. God was bringing to fulfillment something that He'd been prophesying and anticipating and telegraphing from the very beginning. From the very beginning, God had been signaling what he intended to do and what all of it meant. If you think about the first act of worship that's described to us in any detail in Scripture. You think back, what was the first worship that we really see, that we would recognize as such? And it's in Genesis chapter 4, a chapter after the fall when Cain and Abel offer sacrifice to God. We learn some things there. The worship wars began right there in Genesis 4 because one sacrifice is acceptable and one sacrifice is not. But the world had changed. The world of Genesis 4 wasn't like what had gone on before, because sin had entered in. And now that sin had entered the world, sacrifice was a necessity. As long as there was sin, there would have to be sacrifice in order to cover it. This was the new reality with which human beings lived. And not only was a sacrifice required, but as we see in the story, the right sacrifice is required. It matters what kind, of sacrifice is given. This first act of worship isn't an expression of feelings of adoration. It isn't Cain and Abel expressing how they feel about God. The sacrifice is something required of them as a consequence of the sin that has entered in. After sin, there would have to be sacrifice. God continues to tell this story as we see the, the story of, of sin in the world and, and the righteous sons of Seth in competition with the sons of Cain. And we see that that righteousness is all but snuffed out, is preserved in the family of Noah and then in the story of the patriarchs and God's faithfulness to Abraham. God makes a covenant promise to Abraham, which we are inheritors of. He says, That through Abraham, he will bless the nations. That out of him will come many nations. Great multitude. More than than you can count. The stars in the sky. And that promise is fulfilled in Isaac. The long-awaited son, the promised son. And then God says, I want you to sacrifice him. And In Genesis 22, Abraham takes his son Isaac, his promised son, who was born well after the window for having offspring. And he takes him with the intention of sacrificing him as he was commanded to do by God. Abraham knew sacrifice was required. He's not surprised by it. He doesn't query God about it. The same Abraham who bargains for Sodom and Gomorrah doesn't bargain for the life of his son, Instead, he obeys, and he goes forward, and there's this this cryptic dialogue between Abraham and Isaac. Abraham who knows what has to be done, and Isaac who does not. When Isaac asks, where is the sacrifice? Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. He was right. It may be that in his mind, Abraham thought, That the way in which his offspring would would bless the nations was that his son, his promised son, would be sacrificed and his death would, would reverse the triumph of sin and death. But that wasn't to be. His son, Isaac's death, could not atone, could not reverse the consequences of sin. Instead, what was happening there early on at the beginning of the Bible is God is creating a picture of what will be necessary. It's true that a promised son would have to become a sacrificial lamb, but not that son and not that day. But God was showing his hand, he was weaving signs and messages and pictures in the fabric of history. Revealing to those who had eyes to see what he intended to do. And he wasn't finished. When the people of Israel went into captivity and God delivered them out of Egypt through a series of plagues, the final plague, the twelfth plague, is when God sends the angel of death. The angel of death to snatch away the firstborn. Not just with an ethnic division, that the angel will come down and take the firstborn of all the the non-Jews. But he will take the firstborn of everyone who is not protected by the blood of the Lamb. And so God comes to Moses and gives him instructions. And he says to him that in order to avert the angel of death, a lamb must be sacrificed. And it's blood used to mark the doorposts of the people. And God says in Exodus 12, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This was history. These are real things that happened to real people in time. And at the same time, on top of that, God was revealing What must be the things that must come? Because the sacrifices that were required throughout the Old Testament were not adequate for the task of reversing sin. There was only one sacrifice that could do that, and it was the sacrifice that Jesus made the day that he was crucified. People who witness things don't always know the significance of what they've seen. They don't always understand why what happened happened. They question and they doubt. But occasionally God gives eyes to see, to understand. The beginning of the Gospel of John, there was a man who had eyes to see. There was another John who had been sent as a forerunner to prepare the way for Jesus to come. When John looked, and he saw Jesus approaching, he recognized not only who he was, but what he was here to do, and what it meant, the thing that he would do. And John the Baptist spoke these words, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Thank you for listening.